This week on Geek Explained, we're kicking off a month-long podcast event celebrating the Man of Steel. In our first installment, I'm chatting with my favorite comic artist, Evan Doc Shaner, about his journey as an artist and unlocking the secret to sketching the last son of Krypton. Welcome to Soup Timber. Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and today's episode is the first installment of September. We are dedicating the entire month of September to Superman and his associated super family, and I'm just really excited. Y'all know that my favorite superhero of all time is Superman, and I am just ecstatic to be able to talk about him for an entire month each week we will be dropping a new episode focused on superman and his associated rogues gallery uh, media adaptations and whatnot and i am just so excited to be kicking things off with a conversation with my favorite comic book artist <laughs> uh if you can't tell i am super giddy about this um Evan Doc Shaner is my favorite comic book artist currently working, and I love and have always loved his approach to drawing Superman. And I got to sit down with him and interview him, not just about Superman, but about all the stuff that he's got currently going on, some of his most recent works, and diving into our mutual love of Superman. And there's an interesting, uh, interesting factoid that he gives me that kind of unlocked my brain on how to draw Superman and his specific take on it that really dug into my brain. I haven't been able to forget it. So I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. Uh, we also have, of course, this week's comic countdown where I'll be chatting you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week. And appropriately, in our last uh, weekly review for My Adventures of Superman, I will be talking about the season finale and um, got a lot of thoughts. So uh, join me for all of that. Make sure you stay tuned after the jump. But for now, let's roll right into the main event, the main course, the entree, if you will, as I sit down with Doc Shaner and discuss sketching Superman. April 18th, 1938, saw the debut of Superman in Action Comics number one. In the story, co-creator Joe Shuster set the artistic standard for not just Superman, but how all superheroes would be depicted in the years to come. And now, 85 years later, Clark Kent has gone through look after look, depiction after depiction, and yet, my favorite depiction of the Man of Steel has consistently been penciled by my favorite artist, who also happens to be my guest today. He <laughs> is a rock star for DC Comics, 
every single thing he puts out is a must buy for me uh he is one of alongside me the few ted grant fans in the whole wide world i am so pleased to welcome in the very first part of september evan doc shader i am so happy to have you on here thanks for coming on the show yeah absolutely eric it's i've never had that thing where i hear somebody talking and i was sitting there going oh that sounds really cool he seems like he's really <laughs> excited about this person he's talking about <laughs> well thank well, you I am. that was very kind of you yeah i've i've i mean this podcast has been going on over five years and the entire time i've been kind of you know doing my shouting into the void i was like Doc Shader is my favorite artist, and this is the craziest <laughs> thing. So, like, it was, um, it was, it was very cool. We met earlier at a uh, earlier this year at a convention, and I was just, mm -hmm. I was like, oh my god, I, I would you be interested in coming on the show at some point? And he, Doc, was just the coolest about. It. I was like, yeah, man, sure, let's do it. So, I am, I'm really excited to have you on the show. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm really excited to be here. So, you have been, uh, you've been killing it at DC Comics for a good long <laughs> while now. And your style is something that I really, really love. It's that perfect blend between kind of like the modern hyper-realism and Saturday morning cartoons. And <laughs> it's, it's timeless. And I really love how you've been able to kind of transition that from character to character to character, whether you're talking about Superman, uh, Adam Strange, uh, all types of different characters. And to, I guess, start the discussion, since this is September, I want to ask you, how were you introduced to Superman? Uh, it's, you know, I think it was the George Reeves show, The oh, Adventures killer. of Superman. Um, wow because they would play uh they would play it on Nick at night on I think on the weekends and I would watch it with my dad um so I think that's gotta be how I was first introduced to him um but you know I'm a I'm a 90s kid and uh yeah. Superman the animated series was around certainly the death of Superman was huge mm -hmm. um I know my first comic books were tie-ins to the death of Superman um so yeah I, I it was the george reeves show but it was largely just kind of a vague cultural awareness of <laughs> superman he's he's kind of like mickey mouse in that way it's like you even yeah. if you don't recognize him immediately you know you know the shape the profile right yeah yep so this this episode is kind of special because not only having you on here but also kind of getting into the nitty-gritty of the specific artistic approach to Superman as a character. Like we said, he is iconic. That being said, he's gone through so many different interpretations. <laughs> I mean, a character who's, you know, been around for over, you know, eight decades will tend to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but with you specifically, how, I want to ask, since you've been, you know, obviously drawing forever how how did you get interested in art and what drew you to drew you to uh drawing comics <laughs> um it's i actually come from a uh newspaper strip humor background oh that's um, awesome because as i said you know i'm a 90s kid yeah. um i grew up in the time of like calvin and Hobbes supremacy 
Um, so, uh, you know, I was addicted to the humor strips and that's how I started drawing was just, you know, uh, uh, copying Calvin and Hobbes or Peanuts or Garfield or, uh, any other number of things, uh, back then. And, um, and I just kept drawing. Um, and I knew like early on that I really enjoyed it to the point of, I would love to have that as a job someday. Um, and up through college, I kept drawing. I um, initially went to school for music, but uh, a few years in, changed over to an art degree and I started working at the newspaper. Um, and even up through graduating from college, I was convinced I was still gonna be in newspapers. Um, right around the time, newspapers almost completely died. Right. And uh, <laughs> and it was then that I, you know, I started to rethink my career and and, started kind of veering toward doing comic books that's awesome yeah it's it's crazy the the timing of things and how like <laughs> different markets will sometimes just completely shift your goals depending on like how they decide right. yeah. but i i believe and correct me if i'm wrong your first foray into dc comics was with superman right yes Yep. And this was Avengers of Superman. Mm -hmm. Perfect. With Ron Mars. Yep. Yes, Ron Mars. I am. Yep. I'm. I'm a big. I'm also a '90s kid, and so Kyle Rayner's my bag. So when. <laughs> yeah. So oh yeah. Yep. Anytime Ron Mars pops up, like yourself, I'm like, oh, I gotta be there for that. And <laughs> I remember, and it's funny that you mentioned Adventures of Superman is kind of your gateway into the character, and it's also your gateway into drawing the character. Yep. And I can, you know, looking back on the the issue, I don't know why I just I didn't realize that you were also a 90s kid because it's Iron Giant. Yeah. Yep. Like there, there's there's a lot of that influence there. And I think every 90s kid, Iron Giant was one of their favorite movies of all time at one point or another. And certainly as Superman fans, like, mm -hmm. how could you not be? Right. So what was what was that like? What was that like working on your first uh, Superman comic and kind of introducing those aspects? Because, I mean, alongside Iron Giant, there's also, and I think you beautifully did this. It's crazy that it was your first time because you made it look like you've been doing it for years. There's a distinct, <laughs> like, there's a distinct, like, loneliness when it comes to Superman. And especially mm -hmm. in that story with him being the last of the Krypton, getting a quote unquote brother, and then how that uh, kind of tragically ends. Um, mm -hmm. what, what was that experience like for you getting to draw the character for the first time professionally? I mean, it was it was huge. Uh, a lot of it is owed to Ron. Um, I, I owe Ron a ton because he's the one who asked for me. That's incredible. when I got the job, when they wrote me. Um, I knew that it was specific, specifically because Ron asked for me. Um, I knew Ron a little bit from Twitter and just being around um, before then, but uh, he wrote me and, and he said, I got this Superman uh, slash quasi Iron Giant story that we're trying to do for the Adventures of Superman title. Um, and yeah, it, you know, it's Superman is a favorite character. So for him to be my first job there was huge. It could have been anything and I probably would have taken it. <laughs> um, but for it to be Superman, um, and as you said, for it to be Adventures of Superman specifically, yeah. um, that in the way that 
life rhymes, you know, throughout. <laughs> that, that, uh, that George was, Lucas hamburger hands adage. Yeah, yeah. Rhyme. yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Um, so, it, you know, and there's, I took so many of those early jobs as a, uh, and I think a lot of younger artists and probably writers too tend to do this, but I took that job as this is the only time I'm ever going to get to draw Superman. I'm going to put as much of my feelings about the character into the story because I may never get to draw him again. Um, and so it's full of little visual nods and references to Superman. It's, I think, at uh, separate points, I drew Alex Toth in there. And I drew <laughs> Joe Kubert in there at one point. I was going to draw uh, Garcia Lopez into it at one point too. And it, it just <laughs> didn't happen because I didn't have a spot for it. But um, my myself, my wife, and my daughter are in it uh, too, in the crowd. That's incredible. Uh, and, and the cover, the cover is like full of like... The entire Superman supporting cast. Every right, single yeah. time I see that cover, I spot someone new. And I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> this comic is yeah. way too smart for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's so it's and it's the same thing with you know later work at DC. It's I, I always took it as this is my only chance to work on these characters. Let's flip and go for it. Yeah. And uh and thankfully I've had other opportunities to draw Superman down the line. But um you never forget the first. <laughs> <laughs> he said with a twinkle in his eye. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I love that. And I, I love that kind of approach to it where it's like, I might only get to do this once, so I'm going to do everything that I can on this. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, here in 2023 is insane that they would look at that issue and be like, we're not giving him Superman again. But like, <laughs> I'm sure at that point, it's like, well, you don't know. But I mean... Yep it's it's crazy and when i think of superman at least when it comes to like his comic book depictions your version is usually the one that i think of because it's iconic it's classic it's got all the classic lines and you've done a lot of different versions you've drawn the classic superman you've done rebirth you've done reborn you did maybe one of my favorite interpretations of the character which is the t-shirt the the uh the truth <laughs> when he's got the buzz cut like you're one of yeah, the yeah. few artists that's you know has still <laughs> done other you know art of that character and i'm like did everyone just forget this was a really cool story like it's it's <laughs> it was, always yeah it was and it's it's always wonderful to see and again it feels like like there was you know there, there are certain artists that i feel like like your uh, Garcia Lopez's, uh, who I feel like that were, um, were made to draw that character and mm -hmm. you draw a hell of other characters, but your Superman is something that I've always really gravitated towards. And is there kind of getting into the, the nitty gritty of your approach to Superman? What's your favorite part? Of drawing Superman is there a specific thing that you're like excited for immediately when you either you're putting up art on your socials or whether you're doing it for a project I I mean and it's <laughs> it's probably pretty clear but my not just Superman but my favorite part of drawing these characters and being a storyteller in general 
is facial acting. Yeah. Um, it's really like being able to play with subtle little movements or adjustments to really play up certain aspects of the character. Um, that's the most appealing part of, I mean, beyond the iconography of these characters, which of course is, as we mentioned with Superman, it's, you know, there's people who know some of these characters just from looking at them. Right. Don't know their names, don't, you know, but they know like, and they get an idea yeah. of that character. Um, and I think that's one of the beautiful parts about the the legacy of working for in this kind of industry um but uh yeah when i when i when i'm looking at superman and i'm getting to draw superman so much of it is about the quiet strength the 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 kindness of course i you know i i enjoy drawing a smiling superman um but and as i as i've realized recently i i think a lot of it might be wrapped up in the colors too. Mm. I I didn't think about it till very recently, but I'm just a big fan of red, yellow, and blue yeah. together. <laughs> and I think, you know, if he were in other colors, maybe I'd feel differently, but he just happens to be in my favorite combination of colors. Yeah. Well, and I think like you were saying, like that speaks a lot to the iconography of the character like it's something that's immediately eye-catching as color usually is especially for characters in our like larger you know pop culture landscape if you got a bright color and you got iconic colors in a certain formation they'll always catch your eye and i think it's it's difficult to it's difficult to mess up but you can tell when somebody does (laughs) and it's like (laughs) It's it's just like there's something hmm but sure. there's there's something kind of warm about your superman and there it it definitely exudes that kind of dad energy that the rebirth era really <laughs> like th- sure. that kind dad energy that superman has kind of always had but really crystallized in that rebirth uh that rebirth series sure. um is there is there any kind of like I don't know. You you said you were introduced to the character through like watching the show with your dad. Is there any kind of connection there to like the warmth of that character? Oh, I'm sure there is. There, I mean, there's no way there isn't the yeah. I, I mean, of course, since John Kent uh, has come along and kind of been solidified as at least you know for now. I don't I don't right. know anything, but <laughs> <laughs> um, the you know the son of Superman and Lois. Um, I think the datification of <laughs> Clark and Superman um, certainly has taken hold. But uh, as you mentioned, yeah, my, you know, my dad's not really a big comics guy. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's even really like, he knows a little bit from me having worked on these things. Yeah. Um, but he's not, you know, he's not really a big superhero or comic book guy, but I absolutely remember watching that show with him. Cause I think, I mean, it was even before his time. Right. that show um you know i th- and i think we both looked at it with a, a, a view on the past and uh you know it's just a fun show but um i mean as us 90 I, kids, I, I'm, no, us no, no, 90s I, kids I'm, love I'm, our nostalgia we really do <laughs> yeah i think it's a little baked in um to, to an extent um but yeah you know i with adventures of superman i i think that was 2013 Mm-hmm. um 
I'd been a dad for two years and, and it was, you know, around the time of rebirth, we had our, our second. Um, so I've been a dad my entire career at DC. That's incredible. So I'm, I'm sure that plays into it. Well, and he's, he's got like a very distinct shape as well. Cause you're, you're, uh, your approach to body types is something that I'm always fascinated with, whether you're mm-hmm. got your Herculean uh, Superman or whether you're doing, you know, the uncle from the Shazam family, like <laughs> round of pot belly. Like there's a certain and someone who like I've loved drawing, sketching, like since I was very little and body types are hard. Body types are very, like to make them visually distinct, especially like yeah. in groups and everything. Oh yeah. Can you describe kind of your process and developing your version of the character, like your version of Superman? Are there is there any like certain iconography or shapes or anything? I'm I'm fascinated in like the the yeah. the shapes the that when it comes to creating that. Well, it's as I was saying with you know playing with facial acting and 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 finding subtle differences between this face and this face i think the body shape is just as much about character as the face mm-hmm. i think as you're saying with uncle marv uh, uh, or dudley um <laughs> you know the the shape of the characters speaks volumes right. um and even you know my superman tends to be a, a bigger take on the on the guy he's a beefy boy boy. (laughs) um (laughs) but even you know i think the my first job the adventures of superman job i think it was a more uh a more narrow build Mm -hmm. uh, or at least the narrowest i've ever drawn um but i remember figuring out even before that job i because I used to be part of a forum called the drawingboard.org. Oh, nice. With and it's where I met a lot of other guys in the industry. Um and you could go on there and you could post stuff and and people would comment and you know we'd all kind of community critique. That's great. Um and it was immensely helpful as I was coming up. Um but I remember posting a Superman and set, telling everyone I was like he just feels like Superboy. I can't seem to get past the feeling that he's just super boy and realizing that it was the neck. Oh, interesting. If for me, at least, you know, and every artist has a different take and I think is, is just as viable, just as legit. Um, but for me, Superman is Superman when the, from the bottom of the ears to the shoulders lines, straight lines, mm. um, because that his neck is just as thick as his jaw or wide rather um <laughs> and uh and that like a lot of things clicked into place uh, as soon as i figured that out as far as the That's you know the, cool. the build i've you know because I, I drew a lot of the omnibus covers for a long time right which isn't necessarily my superman yeah it's more it it leans into more of the wayne boring the uh kurt swan mm-hmm. superman with the barrel chest and um pretty wide hips yes <laughs> <considered>. no kidding <laughs> um and uh certainly the bigger neck and, and the bull neck um so yeah again it's just like with the facial acting it's 
what subtle things can I change to say different things about this character? Yeah. Um, and I think having the, you know, I think the uh, canon height for Superman is like 6'2", which is insane. That, there's that, no that way seems too short. Yeah. It's it's got to be at least 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. Yeah. I would say like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, Makes sense. Yeah. Um, but he's got to be a, a big boy, in my opinion, because he's got to, for me, again, um, when he's lifting cars or the, the Daily Planet globe, yeah, you know, it has to look both effortless and reasonable. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think for, you know, I think a bigger build is the only way to pull that off. Yeah. Well, and his, you're, you're right when it comes to the, um, just that visual. And I, I think it's funny too, like thinking about kind of the process going from, you know, my adventures of super or adventures of Superman all the way to the stuff where he is, you know, like you said, the dadification of Superman where everyone's kind of, you know, the dad bod has become kind of the thing over the last <laughs> yeah. few years. And that being like, okay, yeah, he became a dad and he got beefy. He's, he's that, yeah. yep. you know, country Fred farm boy and he's a dad now. <laughs> yeah. And yep. you know, he, he made, he made those runs, those late night runs to get the cravings during, you know, while <laughs> Lois was pregnant with John, you know, he's, he's got the whole thing locked down. Right. I, I think it's fascinating the the idea with the neck because that's like that unlocks so much for yep. me and there's I was I was gonna say this for later but now that we're talking about like specifics when it comes to the character there's a question that I've been wanting to ask you for a long while and it has to do not with the neck but with the s curl because that's mm -hmm. like the most like I think next to the shield, like the most iconic thing about Superman is that like that S curl. What oh, yeah. is, what is your, what, what is your approach to that? Because anytime I draw Superman, the S curl always screws me up. And if you could <laughs> in, impart any tips, I would love that. <laughs> it's, it's the bane of my existence. Like I can get everything that I want to look down, but that S curl just looks like a worm or so, it look, just sure. looks disconnected. Can you please help me is my, is my question here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, it's, it is tricky. You know, again, it's just like with the neck, it's a kind of thing that for a long time, cause I'm kind of a dope. It didn't occur to me that the curl was an S. I knew he oh, had really? the curl. Oh yeah. I just didn't think about it uh, for a long time. And I, it was again like with the neck when i realized it was an s it was just like oh i've been such a fool <laughs> <laughs> the um, rain pattering against the window yeah. as the violin plays <laughs> yeah it's just it's so obvious um that it's wild that i didn't see it for a long time um i think i mean it's changed over the years certainly i think mm -hmm. for a front facing dead-on shot of superman i think the trick is first just drawing an S. Don't think about it as hair at first, just draw an S. But I know that I tend to think of it as an S with a larger top than a bottom. The The end oh, okay. is shorter. Interesting. Just because 
it's hard again with talking about the build it's i think trying to find that medium between the iconography of it mm-hmm. the s spit curl and what does hair actually do because <laughs> it's not that not necessarily right um not that it doesn't happen in in nature right um but it's it, you got to find that middle ground between uh, believability and what you really want to see mm-hmm. um and for me i think it's that uh, it starts out larger at the top as it comes from his hairline and then kind of whittles down to the end mm. just a little okay. bit um but i also think um kind of i i tend to put it next to some, uh, some bangs <laughs> not bangs but you know the 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 part the hair part right um i've literally never thought about what to call that so <laughs> calling it bangs was we're, we're, we're inventing terms here here we go yeah <laughs> um but it's kind of that christopher reeve uh take on the hair yeah uh, a little bit i know that that was another you know um i think i tend to do sort of the kurt swan um where it was his hair was largely kind of slicked back or to the side yeah except for the spit curl which popped out by itself right um and i think having you know realizing that he has to part his hair on his left side for that s to make sense for one thing hmm okay because if you part it on the other side that means that the spit curl is fighting against ah. the the path of the rest of his hair um but uh and <laughs> i don't i don't think i ever thought about it being as based so much on the actors but i'm as i'm saying it i'm realizing um henry cavill's hair mm-hmm. as well like looking at i i've got a folder with a bunch of pictures of oh i'm his sure hair don't we all is insane that it just does naturally that. does it it naturally does it the spit sense. curl. And the fact that <laughs> right. they never did it in the films leading right. to it is insane to me. And that's what I mean. Like, you know, the first um, Man of Steel, his hair is parted on the other side. It doesn't make sense to me. I've never noticed that. Yeah. And it's and, and that's, you know, he doesn't have the spit curl for one thing anyway. Right. So you wouldn't notice it. But his hair is parted on the other side, which I'm not saying is necessarily wrong or right. I You know, I don't. Like I said, all for me, nearly all takes are valid. Right, on, of course. On the character. Um, but it is wild to me in the years since, especially <laughs> recently, seeing how Cavill's hair, when parted on the other side, just sort of naturally does that with the wavy. Because I think I do think Superman's got just a little wave to his hair. And that's yeah. how the spit curl happens. I I did not expect my entire worldview <laughs> to shift during this, but I mean, it's so true. Cavill's hair mm-hmm. was, oh my god. Yeah. See that that's that's my neck moment for me is just the unlocking <laughs> of my brain has to be on the left side. That's the key. A good sure. the most. It's not the it's not the shield. It's not the cape. It's you have to part his hair <laughs> on the left side, and then yeah. it's Superman. Yep. yep. Well, and then because when when you're drawing Clark, you part it on the other side. Yes, I was going to ask. Is is there a Besides, obviously, the complete 4D chess move of 
splitting of uh, doing the part on the other side. Is there anything else that you use visually to distinguish Clark from Superman? Um, I mean, I I certainly haven't drawn as much Clark as I have Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think I tend to go with rounder shapes. You know, kind of the the Frank Quitely yeah. school of Clark Kent. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I was, you know, I was coming up in the industry around the time All Star hit. Um, yeah. So I th- I think that notion that he physically changes and and seeing how far you can take that right. as an artist, how far can you push the physical literal difference in his body shape um, is interesting to me. I still think of him as you know, standing up straight. Right. Uh, Cause I think there's a certain amount of that, that he, to me, at least can't turn off. Of course. Um, but that's, you know, that's my personal take. Um, but yeah, it's, I think the hair part of the other way, I like thicker glasses. Um, it's, it's a lot of posture and just rounding the jaw and his overall shape. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's always fascinating to see how different artists approach distinguishing the two from each mm-hmm. other. And it's, I mean, all the different ways that you can do that and all the different um, variations on it, whether it's just, you know, putting glasses on him or whether it's changing his posture or mess, you know, tussling his hair up or whatever. It's Clark Ken, I feel like is something that, I mean, it's, it's, I don't, I don't want to use the term necessary evil because that's not what it is, <laughs> but kind of knowing that iconography and knowing those parameters is important when you're coming up with your visual look for Superman. Mm-hmm. So going back to what we were saying about the different, I mean, I'm still trying to recover from, from the left <laughs> part. Um, obviously you've been a student of the game for a really long time and you've been immersing yourself in different versions of the character. Everybody draws inspiration from different people. You named Luis Garcia. Um, you named Kurt Swan, who I think is one of like the iconic artists, maybe the oh, yeah. iconic artist. Yeah. Is do you have a favorite a favorite look for Superman? when it comes to whether it's an artist look or a costume look like i'm a big fleischer guy like i love i love that s um i'm a big fan of just kind of like the simplicity of that is there a specific look or a specific uh artist's depiction of him that you really enjoy um i mean i'm sure there is i i as i mentioned garcia lopez Mm -hmm. is i think for me that it's the close your eyes artist yeah when i when i close my eyes and think of superman he more often than not probably looks like a garcia lopez superman um but certain you know any number like tim sales superman is a huge one for me um talking about the neck yeah um, his his is almost all neck um, I I have I have a friend shout out to Matt Draper who's been a guest on here a few times. I remember we were talking about uh, for all seasons a couple of years mm-hmm. back. We were talking about it. he was and he mentioned to me in one very specific page that Sale draws Superman like a thumb. 
yeah. and I've oh, yeah. never been unable to see it. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible, yeah. but his, oh, yeah. yeah, all neck and in, I the, think in, in that one. Seeing the difference between that take and years later when he did the um, Superman classified story with Darwin. Yes. Looking at the, the differences, not just, you know, I, obviously there's the years in between yeah where where tim's drawing changes you know little here and there mm -hmm. but when it's a different type of story and yeah. his his it's because it's a different approach it, it is, is not sure. the same superman as superman for all seasons um yeah. so i think that's what i mean like it's i certainly have favorite artists for different characters but oftentimes it's about like what about their take on a character on that character can i pull from or speaks to me the most um because mm. i'm at joe kubert's superman is oh, yeah. not nearly as widely known it's not like that was a uh, a hallmark character for him right but i love his take on superman because yeah. he's almost kind of scrawny he's he looks it's like, weird yeah he looks like super tough in a way that's really like interesting to me because he looks he looks a little stringier and he's just like uh rugged's not the right word but he, he's scrappy he looks, yeah he looks much scrappier and it's and it's uh interesting to see that um from and again you know Kubert's one of my favorites so pretty much anybody so draws um but yeah i you know again i could go on all day with artists i like uh <laughs> with superman and we will uh, look at, in this look at my in, wall. <laughs> in our first eight-hour podcast. <laughs> oh well, um, John Bogdanov Great is one of my absolute pick. favorite Superman artists. Oh yeah, absolutely. Great pick. Yeah, and that's that. It's weird because I don't feel like I mean, like you said with Joe Kubert, I don't feel like his name comes up enough with that. Not like nearly as much as it should be. I think it's right. something amongst. I know certainly for other artists of my generation, like we all talk about it, like, yeah, like we're all in on this, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> of rules. Um, and I think, yeah, within the community, I think people know, but I think you're right. It, it's his take is maybe not why is widely known. Right. Um, but I, there was a long stretch there where whatever, if I would dip into a comic book store, wherever I was, um, the first thing I would look for, was a random uh, Man of Steel issue that I yeah. didn't have. I mean, he was the guy who I think of when I think of mullet Superman. Like, that's... Oh, sure. Yeah. That, that's, what uh, again, showing my 90s kid. But, like, yeah, his <laughs> very kind of angular style. It's yeah. it's great. He's... Yeah, you want to talk about a huge Superman. Yes. His Superman is at least eight oh. feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And and not like a lean eight feet tall. We're talking no. like pounds of beef. Hands the size of cars. Yeah. It's insane. That that action comics cover, the first one is just him one handing the green car and he just <laughs> chucks it off to the side. He is gigantic. Yeah. Yep. And yep. that's I mean, talking about, you know, talk about Kubert's, Andy Kubert's or Adam Kubert's. Uh, I always both man, both of them yes yeah, yeah their their Superman are also big beefy boys that yeah, yeah, just yeah. have hands the size of people's houses like yeah, it's yeah, incredible yeah. and oh, yeah. and you were mentioning the um the Darwin Cook and Tim Sale book uh the mm -hmm. Kryptonite book I 
I have it on the shelf. I did an episode oh, yeah. on it. I love that story. It oh, is, yeah. it's so good. And mm -hmm. he's got that almost Kirby-esque. There's that moment when he's first encountering the Kryptonite and he's fighting against those guys and he's got his dukes yeah. up and... I don't know what it is, but it's always like the beat up face with the Dukes up. And I immediately think of Kirby, but like, oh, yeah, that was very much an ode. And talking about George Reeves, I mean, at the end, his Clark has the classic slanted hat and the suit yep. like yep. that. That book, much like Bogdan of Superman, needs to be talked about more <laughs> because it's it's great. It's weirdly a. a or at least my sense of it is it's a strangely hidden gem in yeah. both of their careers. Which is weird considering who yeah. worked on it. Yeah. Well, I think it's for one thing, Darwin didn't just write a ton of books. Right. You know, that he didn't draw. Yeah. Um, so I think in that regard, it gets hidden, but it's also, um, I, I think Darwin and Tim only worked together two or three times, maybe. Yeah. And then on very short things, that's right. the longest Thing they worked on together um but it's yeah it's a weirdly hidden book for both of them and it's i i, I love that take on kryptonite on clark's first experience with kryptonite his yeah. his self-doubt his his discovering his own weaknesses and it's mm -hmm. darwin really played that like a fiddle and uh it's it's a great take it, it's a timeless story and i mean mm -hmm. de delving into the otherness of superman um, his relationships with those characters. It has one of my favorite Jimmy Olsen moments where he just rocks up to Lex Luthor with a gun. It's just like, yeah. Jimmy, what are you doing? Like, it's <laughs> it's one of those great Jimmy yeah. Olsen moments where he's just hijinks is his middle name. And yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a great, great. And also getting off track of Superman, but going to Jimmy, your Jimmy is someone that I routinely love to watch tracked across the stuff that you you do because <laughs> in the early stories obviously with adventures of superman and then also some of your uh work that you've posted to socials uh he's very much 90s jimmy and then oh, yeah. there's and then there's every so often you'll dip into the the blazer and the bow tie and i'm like he just gets it he knows <laughs> fashion icon jimmy olsen can pull off oh, yeah. so many looks that's I it's Jimmy so often I think by the uninitiated um tends to get seen as kind of a dork mm -hmm. and I think that couldn't be further from the truth yeah Jimmy Jimmy is maybe the coolest guy on the planet <laughs> he is um <laughs> he's Superman's pal for a reason yep exactly yep um and I I love Jimmy Olsen he's he's a great character do you have a you know, do you have a specific approach to him or to even Lois that you kind of look at or any, because I know that for me, there's a lot of like, whenever I, whenever I try to sketch out a character, I'll take a lot of reference from like, uh, from actors or people that I know. Mm -hmm. And are there any like inspirations in that with how you draw, you know, any of Superman's supporting cast? Sure. Um, I, when I'm starting a new gig i will tend to make a quasi um <laughs> i can't think of the word but like an image board oh, you know yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll pull together a bunch of stuff that i like um that i've seen other artists do 
or actors or just stuff throughout the you know when you're working on these characters with 85 year histories um <laughs> uh it's there's so much to pull from and kind of add to the flavor of what you're doing um and i like to pull little bits and pieces from that um i think ah, it's been a while since i've drawn jimmy or lois but it, i you know speaking of tim um i i loved his lois in all for all seasons yes but um the lois in kryptonite Ooh. is maybe one of my favorite takes on the character same it's here that one cover of lois and jimmy by themselves yeah up against the like and lois is kind of sitting on a desk mm-hmm. at the planet yeah one of my favorite covers ever um oh my gosh tim just nailed the character of lois yeah um so, so well in that book um but i'm, I'm sure there's a ton of others um I'm a big fan of Stuart Eminem. I love mm-hmm. what he did on Superman. Great. Um, with Lois, Great too. Um, yeah, I'm sh- I, it's, I'm looking at my Superman crap. I'm, <laughs> I'm so going, glad that I'm not Superman. the only person that, like, if I get a question, I'm just like, <laughs> and I just start <laughs> looking I... back at my shelves, like, what am I, what am I looking for here? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we talked about, uh, we talked about kryptonite we've talked about all seasons do you have a favorite superman story is there a story that you always kind of come back to that you reread or something that you kind of hold as like a comfort read because kryptonite is definitely that for me and i'm also a big uh birthright guy so yeah uh yeah birthright's definitely up there too um i because I think that came around the same time uh, as a lot of those other books that we've mentioned. Yeah. Um, with and I, you know, I was vaguely aware of Mark, of course. Right. Um, I hadn't read a ton of his stuff at the time, but I remember being head over heels with Yu's uh, take on Superman. Mm, yeah. Loved yeah, yeah. his take on Superman. So good. And uh, and I I know that at the beginning I picked that up for his work um but i love returning to that one that's that's such an easy book to pick off the shelf flip to any page and you get stuck reading 10 or 12 pages yeah because it mark does a great job of really pulling the reader in to that world in that book um it's you know i again it's i don't know if i have one favorite or feel free to I talk about more than to. one <laughs> <laughs> well it's i think it's it's the uh, and this is my view on a lot of these characters is what i like about them is the span of mm. what they mean to people yeah. and what their history added all up together means um so it's a number of things i um elliot s Magan's miracle monday i i read about oh. every year around this in the spring that's a great poll um you know i've read it enough times now to where i don't feel like i have to read the entire thing <laughs> uh right away um but it's that's you know speaking of mark because i know that he's heavily influenced by megan yeah um but miracle monday is one of my favorite superman stories um God, I haven't read that in years. I need, I need to go back and check that out because that's a great story. It's, it's really, I like the, 
I'm doing my thing. Hold on. <laughs> Doc has uh, has rolled back into the into the the ether of <laughs> Superman stories. I really, I really should put my Superman stuff where I can see it from my desk. Um, it's kind of how I picture the uh, the fortress at some point. He's like, "What did I <laughs> yeah. do with that?" And he just kind of rolls along with this chair that he doesn't need. That was the be the best part of drawing the fortress in uh, Adventures of Superman was just putting little yeah. things here and there. What can I stick in there for fun? Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, what was I talking about? Mark, <laughs> Miracle Monday. What was it? Oh, the the whole idea, just like the elevator pitch of Miracle Monday being like Superman beats the devil is one of my favorites. What's better than that? Like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when it starts out with Lex Luthor breaking out of prison with like the power of thought, basically. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm simplifying it. Yes. But he essentially thinks his way out of prison. As he um, always does. But this time right. it's literally. Yeah, literally. He thinks himself out of it. Uh I I I love big, bold in quotes, goofy takes yeah. that are played straight um that's my favorite thing for sure so. and that's you know that that's something that i think you can accomplish a lot with that character because he's almost like a chameleon you can tell a thousand different versions of a superman story and he fits into almost all of them mm -hmm. and he's a character who has grown from arguably kind of a simplistic uh simplistic version of the character when he debuted into this multifaceted different i mean we're talking about obviously we said 85 years when it comes to that character and few characters have gone on that long or have lasted that long and been able to keep that kind of popularity mm -hmm. but there was one character who gave him a run for his money and it's a character that you are <laughs> intimately familiar with shifting here Friggin' nailed it, man! Nailed it! <laughs> oh, I, I don't always, I don't always nail those segues, but boy, howdy, am I <laughs> proud of that one! Um, you are for me, not just kind of my Superman artist, but you're also like the guy that I think of when it comes to Captain Marvel. His depiction as also big, beefy boy with black hair and squinty <laughs> eyes. I'm like. It's Captain Marvel or it's Superman. It's one of those two. And you've got your your <laughs> sure. player one, your player two, your red and your blue. Yep. Is is there a cert is there anything about that character that because obviously you had drawn that character a lot, both yep. I'm assuming for fun, but also for professional gigs. Is there is there anything that you approach when it comes to drawing him differently than with Superman? Because if you put them side by side, they are very visually distinct. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like I was talking about with Clark Kent. Um, mm -hmm. Captain Marvel is even more so rounded. Than Interesting. Superman. It's um, I think playing up if they're side by side, playing up Superman's angularity with Captain Marvel's roundness, because he's mm -hmm. friendly. He's right. a kid, yeah. uh, essentially. Um, you know, without getting into the whole, like, 
is he Billy or is he Nick? Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, that, that's a, but, that's a whole other two hour podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, it's, it's rounding out the shapes. Uh, mm-hmm. Captain Marvel's jaw is much more rounded. His chin is much rounder. Um, his, his nose. The thing is, Beck did such a genius job of laying out all the specific traits you needed to differentiate that character mm-hmm. in day one. Yeah. You look at the original Captain Marvel stuff, you can pull everything you need to to adapt that character to modern sensibilities because his nose has a very specific shape. His eyebrows have an extremely specific shape. Right. Um, he's got the dimple in his chin. He doesn't have... He can have dimples, but he doesn't have the same lines in his face as Superman does. Right. Um, his ears are rounder. His ears are a little bigger. Um, I've never noticed you, that. That's interesting. If you really compare them, Beck drew Captain Marvel's ears on the larger side. Um, huh. And he's got that kind of Bella Lugosi wave to his hair. Yeah. Um, and he, I know he's based on um, Fred McMurray uh, in a lot of ways, but um, I think, and while that's in there, I think Beck did such a great job of starting with that and then taking it to such a distinct and specific take on a character that um, obviously it's lasted all these years um, and right. still no matter who's drawing him, you're pulling from that design specifically to some extent. Interesting. Or, or you're just drawing a generic guy in a Shazam costume. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and one thing that I've noticed um, kind of looking at your work, especially when it comes to like the busts of characters is that you often draw uh, Captain Marvel with like a button nose, which I mm-hmm. always really appreciate because like even if you were just looking at you know you strip away the costumes and you're just looking at the faces of each of them it's like oh this guy's got a little nose so that's definitely captain marvel and that <laughs> yeah. kind of like keeps that boyish charm to him which is really fun yeah 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 and it's like i said it's those little character things speak volumes about uh, and and before they even open their mouths you know who that character is yeah well and you know, to peel back the curtain a little bit, the first story that I ever read that you were on was that Convergence Shazam book. Oh, nice. And I, yeah. I remember just being enchanted by that because I was, again, <laughs> it, it speaks to like the stuff that I really enjoy and your art style along with people like your, your Tom Riley's or Chris Somney's that really mm-hmm. kind of get that, I don't know, that, that Saturday morning cartoon, otherworldly, like, comfort of characters is something that i really enjoy and you have you know gone through several different versions uh visually of captain marvel's costume whether it's the classic whether it's like the new 52 ish version and then Mm -hmm. right now with kind of the melding of the two and then also giving maybe my favorite design for mary bromfield in new champion of shazam that design is just the tops like it's it's incredible and i think there's there's something visually like obviously with you know the 
the current status of superheroes and popular media, movies, TV, that kind of thing. Everyone's looking for like, what's the, you know, the, the classic MCUification of comic book costumes where we put lines and make it super militaristic. There's yep. something to finding the balance between that very like overly designed and simplistic that I think you really hit on Mary's design in new champion of Shazam. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I think that was, uh it's funny i when i took that job and knew that i would need to do a new take on mary's costume i initially thought that they were going to want to keep more of the new 52 look oh interesting to her so my first few passes on the design were much more ornate uh they were much oh, more in the fascinating uh the gary frank uh uh school of of character design yeah um who i also you know i I don't want it to ever be thought that I was like, I came in and I was like, <laughs> get out of here, Gary Frank. Because <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Gary's. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I initially thought that they were going to want more. Like, I, I think I gave her the hood. She had the more complicated boots. Yeah. Um, more of the just like little design uh, uh, things that Gary put in there. And they were very upfront about like, no, we actually want to peel that back a little bit. We want to simplify it and bring it back to the, you know the original character yeah well also and this was the the challenge there was how do i make it both a mary costume that is definitively hers mm -hmm. but also a essentially a captain marvel costume yeah because i wanted it to be both i didn't want it to just be a mary marvel costume yeah, this right. is a champion of shazam costume like if she's yeah. the hero for the wizard what would that costume look like and i um, love that because like the the yeah. whole you know marvel family has always been kind of variations on whatever captain marvel's look is at the time mm -hmm. and having like certain visual things to make mary's look and that look distinct i mean i am a sucker for a one shoulder cape and oh, yeah. that is, it's just the coolest thing. I don't know why, <laughs> I don't know what it is about it. But if I see a, a cape that just comes out of one shoulder, I'm like, that is the greatest design I've ever seen. And so seeing well, that Well, that was another thing was, initially I gave her the, the two, the oh, two anchored cape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was another thing where they're like, actually, we I think we want to do the off the shoulder cape. God, and I was like, all so right, great. all right, you guys. <laughs> if that's what you want to do. Um, I mean, I was more than happy to do it. Right. I at, at one point, I think I even um, sketched out the costume she wore in the second Shazam movie. Really? Just to, just to say, like, this is what that would look like, and yeah. I won't do it because that job would be impossible. Um, <laughs> drawing that every panel would make oh me lose my, my mind. Just the texturing on that would yeah. be because I mean that costume is great, and the funniest thing is, yeah. I, I watched that movie and I was like, oh, it's kind of like the Shader design. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and <laughs> so that's just, it's, it's funny because there, again, there's, there's a practicality to it. Like, obviously, you know, the, I think the Wonder Woman's recent, you know, past decade of designs have kind of popularized the battle skirt. But the way that sure, it's yep. utilized here while still paying homage to the original costume, I think is really well done. And giving her like that kind of iconography while again, keeping the idea of, no, this is her costume. And this is yeah, like, yep. she is the champion, the new champion of Shazam.
Mm-hmm. And there's also that Superman DNA in that because you were working with Josie Campbell on this. Oh, yeah. yep. And now she's yep. helming my adventures with Superman, which is one of my favorite <laughs> Superman things ever. It's, it's very good. It's so good. And um, I love Josie. She was such a, a true pleasure to work with on Shazam. So when I uh when I heard about the Superman show, I was like, oh good, this will be this will yeah. be good. People <laughs> people will eat this up because um Josie's great and she has a fantastic and that's why I think she was perfect for the Mary gig, uh Agreed. aside being a huge Mary fan. Um and it's because when we started talking, I wasn't super familiar with her. I didn't know her personally. Um but she was on the project before me and uh, I remember the first call we had together and we spent the entire time geeking out about old Fawcett Mary comics. Um, and it was such a pleasure to work with her on that. Um, but she, anyway, <laughs> she has such a great talent for looking at an original, at the original take or the original stories and saying, how do we adapt that to a modern audience? How do we retain as much of that flavor while also bringing it to something new? Um, and I think she did it wonderfully with Mary, and I think they're doing a great job with it on My Adventures with Superman. Yeah, absolutely agree. But you haven't just, you know, stuck to the characters that visually draw inspiration from Superman. There's also been, we I mentioned it earlier, Adam Strange in Strange Adventures. You got to stretch your your cosmic chops with that and get into alien designs um, mm-hmm. with all kind, whether it was the picked or whether it was all of the other characters that operate and the species that are, are on ran and part of that war. That was some of the most like extensive like stretching I've seen with your, you know, your design work. So it was wonderful was there was there anything that you kind of took into that differently from other projects or anything that you i don't know experimented with because there were certain things that i was like oh i haven't seen him do this before this is really cool (laughs) uh it's i mean that's the entire reason i took that gig other than to work with uh friends um i because i'll and i'm this is not a, a a secret per se but i don't actually care that much about adam strange (laughs) what (laughs) um but uh so the character himself was not the draw and that's the first time i've done that with a gig where i was asked about a gig and it was not the character that was the draw for me it was the it was the job itself and Mm -hmm. because i knew that this would be a chance to really stretch what i was doing at the time and challenge myself in new ways um but it also it had a lot of the flavor from uh I worked on Flash Gordon at Dynamite right. with Jeff Parker. And we the book could only afford to go for so long. Um, because otherwise Jeff and I would have stayed on it for a lo- much longer. And there were all these I had notebooks and notebooks filled with stuff that I wanted to do. Um when Jeff and I got on Flash Gordon, I I went out and got all the Alex Raymond uh, collections I could. And I was pouring through stuff and labeling things like, I'd love to bring these people into it. And I'd love to have 
this costume for Flash and da, 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 da. Um, and we never got to do any of it because we couldn't afford to have the book keep going. Um, so when Mitch and Tom came to me about Adam Strange, uh, it became pretty readily apparent that, oh, I can kind of take some of that and twist it a little bit to yeah. Adam Strange because that it, it's all that 30s to 50s kind of sci-fi right. notions. Um, and so, the yeah, the biggest draw of that book for me was getting to come up with new stuff, uh, come up with new takes on old characters or come up with new characters and just really get weird with it. Um, <laughs> and you definitely did. Yeah. Yeah. Mission accomplished there. <laughs> um, so that, that part of that book was such a joy. Um, really getting this like flesh out a, a world in a way that hadn't, or at least that I hadn't had an opportunity to do so uh yet um and i i miss it a little bit that aspect of that book um i loved world building in a way that i didn't realize i did <laughs> <laughs> well and you did i i feel like you did that a lot with um when you were working on future quest when you had yeah the you know we're talking about saturday morning cartoons like sure. the the book was open to you and like give like take as many of these Hanna-Barbera characters and you just have some fun with them. And one of, I mean, it was, it was an incredible thing to watch is okay. Uh, what's, what's he coming up with next for these characters? <laughs> that was such a, a case of like, they gave us a list of the characters they felt needed to be in the book. And then I came back with, what if we had 10 more? Because I'm an idiot who <laughs> likes to punish myself. Um, because uh, I think Dino Boy, mm. uh, Dino Boy's whole inclusion in that book was because my daughter and I had been watching the uh, Space Ghost oh, God. cartoons, and his, you know, Dino Boy would show up in between. Right. Um, and my daughter loved Dino Boy, so I, and I just said to Jeff, like, we should put. Dino Boy and, and all those characters in it too. And Jeff, to his credit, was like, are you sure? That's that's three or four more characters to throw on this cast of easily 25, 30 characters. Yeah. Um, so it was a huge book um, and an interesting challenge, but uh, not one I took for granted because I was very aware of the sense that you know not everybody gets to do a space ghost story right most folks if you stick around long enough you might get to do a superman story you, yeah. you'll probably get to do you know some of the bigger characters space ghost does not come around very often no. and he's one of my favorites um and one that i really truly never thought i'd get to work on so that opportunity was insane uh, in retrospect awesome. certainly <laughs> Well, and I and I think that it, it certainly prepped you for all of the wackiness that would come for other characters and other books that you would work on. Um, as we're kind of getting close to wrapping up here, your current stuff that you've been working on um, that I've been absolutely loving, there have been these uh, variant covers for World's mm -hmm. Finest Teen Titans. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot tell you how much I love those covers. <laughs> like I, oh, I've, obviously I am 
in the bag for this version. Mark Waid is my favorite writer. Um, these this version of these characters but when i heard like not only are we doing like a full-on like teen titans book Mm -hmm. set in this time but also doc is going to be doing the variant covers and they're essentially going to be design covers for each one of them i'm like where do i sign up what are these (laughs) like these is already must buy but you Mm -hmm. really get to not just take iconic characters but take them at one of their most iconic points and mm-hmm. really kind of flesh out, you know, this is how, you know, we're looking at, I mean, the Donna Troy cover might be my favorite so far out of them, though uh-huh. I am a huge, huge fan of, I'm a big, obviously, again, a 90s kid. The Wally cover. Wally. Speaks <laughs> to me yeah. on a very yeah. spiritual level. <laughs> yep, yep, I'm with you. That's, Wally's my favorite, so I'm with you. And that's, and I, Donna is my uh my wife and my daughter's favorite so it's that's awesome I'm not like Donna and Wally I had fun doing all of them of course right but um Donna and Wally I felt especially like connected to for some reason well and this is kind of again like the the designs first popped up with Dan Moore in the world's finest book and being Mm -hmm. able to kind of flesh them out and give them that like that old Shainer flair like is really <laughs> it's it's great and it gives me an extra reason to you know make my wallet cry every single month where it's <laughs> you gotta shell out for the variant you gotta do it because it's it's worth it <laughs> is there yeah, anything no go ahead please oh i was just gonna is there anything that you're taking specifically when it comes to the approach of your depictions there that you've also taken into your work with Superman, with the Marvel family? Uh, You know, that's a good question. I hadn't thought about it. Um, It's because now that I think it's been a while since I've really gotten to sink into a Superman. Right. Drawing too Um, long for my taste. (laughs) Yeah, for me too. (laughs) Um, I I really enjoy kind of, checking in with with superman now and then professionally um it's you know and i i did a a variant for mark and brian's last days of lex luther book Mm -hmm. but even then i didn't get to draw superman's face great Um, cover though oh (laughs) my god what a great cover i say get to like it that entire thing wasn't my choice um but (laughs) They're like, uh, all right, all right, we're gonna give you this cover. You cannot draw Superman's face. Yeah, we are, right. we have we have enacted the Henry Cavill rule. You cannot draw his face in this. And you're gonna draw sad Luther. Yeah. Um, which again, you know, that's another um talking about Superman's sporting cast. I yeah. am dying to draw a Luther story. Like like a big time full on like every iteration of luther i because i love that's another character where their span has been so long that they've kind of seen several different periods of who is lex luther um and i love the idea of incorporating all of those takes into one person well and you can tell because you 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 put up on uh, I, I believe it was instagram this uh this character study of mugshots for lex oh yeah and yep. my favorite has to be what i kind of describe as judgmental grandma at thanksgiving where it's like the big frown in the side eye it's my favorite lex luthor look 
like yeah, that yeah, that's yeah. just like i want him making that face in every interaction in every comic because right. it's just <laughs> like the look of bored disappointment is just incredible yeah, yeah. that's my my i love the idea of a luther who sees himself as so above everything around him that he's just bored <laughs> he's so bored with all of us and all our trivial everyday problems and could not be more done with it i he's so fun i, I love lex luther <laughs> is is there are there any besides lex luther are there any other superman rogues that you especially like drawing uh bizarro is my favorite nice um, you know if and because i think he kind of teeters on that line between a full-on villain and not an ally but a, a character who was also there yeah <laughs> and bizarro um, is also here yeah <laughs> um but that's i love drawing bizarro um he's maybe again it's that idea of something big and bold and kind of goofy yeah but like how do you interact with that idea as a person right. as a person in the real world how do you interact with a a person who looks just like you but talks in a way that is impossible to take apart um yeah. dresses similarly to you but doesn't look exactly like you um i i think the idea of bizarro is fascinating um so he's he's definitely my favorite well and i i think i remember off the top of my head you drew a bizarro where he actually wears red underwear like you've got like the underwear lines yeah, and everything and i'm like that's incredible why is no one i done call this? him uh that's a uh, stinky bizarro that's my because uh, it's a tattered yes superman shirt and a like a in my head it was like a tablecloth that he tied around his neck <laughs> and he's got a belt and he's just wearing regular boots yeah um stuff that he found um i love stinky bizarro <laughs> <laughs> Well, I I have really genuinely loved getting to chat with you today, man. It's yeah. it's been wonderful kind of getting to pick your brain. Um I have uh two more questions for you if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. I know you've talked about briefly that you've got you're working on something right now. You've got a project mm -hmm. in the works. Can we get any teases on what it might be? I'm sure you can. Let me <laughs> uh, trying to be. I mean, I because I've talked about it's. I'm I'm writing for the first time, um, which I am stoked about. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. Uh, after so after so many years at DC, uh, I finally tricked somebody into giving me enough <laughs> trust <laughs> to do this. Um, how could I tease it? Um, it's so hard to not just give away the whole game. <laughs> it's and and if you can't, it's totally fine. I am I am more than willing to wait to see what it pops up, but I I just know that I will be there day one for it for sure. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. It's I really feel like of everything I've done at DC, I feel like the path, if I look at it in retrospect, has been kind of slowly working my way to what I really feel like is in my head yeah when i'm working and this next project i feel like at least to date is definitely going to be the most me 
book I've done at DC. That's amazing. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd I'd hate to speak on character stuff or anything. Um, That's all right. I I get it. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, just it's... suffice to say, it's it's characters that I'm very excited about. Um, it's a book that I still kind of can't believe they greenlit. I had a lot of hope, but we fully expected this to not go anywhere. And for them to be like, <laughs> we'd really like you to just draw Superman, please. <laughs> Could you just draw more Superman? Um, Can you just keep doing this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, for them to ask me to do, the, uh, do this and, and get the okay uh, was huge for me. So I'm very excited about it. That's That's all I can say that's that's a good enough tease for me that you're excited about it because it's i mean we've we've seen what you can do with characters that you do not care about so i'm very excited (laughs) to see um i've got my fingers crossed for what i i hope it is um because you are one of the few people that i can talk to about ted grant wildcat that i and mm. all of those like old school like, like golden age JS, JSAers that I am sure. I am intensely in love with that era. <laughs> and anytime yeah. you put out new stuff with them, I mean, you just we just saw uh, you promoting your Jay Garrick variant, which I am very oh, yeah. excited about. the The way that you're able to convey speed with a, in just like a still still piece of art with him just running up the building and still doing like the tipping hat like yeah i can't explain to you how much like <laughs> sometimes i see your art and i'm like oh yeah he drew this spe- specifically for me and that's wonderful <laughs> just keep on doing well, that good. sure no problem <laughs> but i am i'm really excited thank you so much for doing this uh i have one last question if you will mm-hmm. permit me since this is september trunks or no trunks Oh, you. Okay. We've been building to this. How much longer do you got? What time are we looking at? Uh, I've Um, I've got eight more hours. So you (laughs) take. No, it's, I I think it's a pretty simple answer. For me, right now, at this point in history, I am Trunks. I love it. We got a tally on there. And if you'll permit me to get into the reasoning behind it. Please, I would love that. I am not against the idea of no trunks. And I, as much as I think, I think a lot of the people who are anti-trunks, I think have a hard time swallowing the silly ideas that come along with Superman. Um, But I also understand that, you know, there's people out there who are anti-trunks purely because they don't like the look of them. Right. And that's fair too. Um, So I don't want to, you know, blanket statement, all of them. Um, but for me right now, I have not yet seen a design without the trunks that works for me hundred percent. Interesting. Because you need that chunk of red to break up the overall design. And while I think there are a lot of great, there are a lot of really super cool designs out there. Yeah. Um, takes on a either no trunks or like a new take on the trunks or like just a new way to incorporate that red around the midsection. Right. Um, I think there's so many cool ideas out there, but for me personally, as of yet, I have not seen one that convinces me that the trunks are not the better, simpler solution. And that speaks to my own, 
aesthetic tastes is I am always going to be in favor of simpler over more complicated. Yeah. Um, Both from a having to draw it uh, (laughs) perspective and just from a a reader or a viewer, um, I'm always going to see a a design and think like, couldn't this have been simpler um, Mm -hmm. or more streamlined? especially with superman right um and to my mind the trunks still to this day are the the best solution we have so you know someday maybe somebody will come along and figure it out and at that point i'll say all right that works there you go no trunks works there um but for me i'm I'm a trunks guy all right well i i appreciate you giving your honest opinion on that it's means the world to me that we we are we are aligned in this moment and we'll see we'll see how that goes i'm going to be asking everybody this month so nice i'm i'm excited to see what the tally looks like but um again thank you so much for coming on the show this was um an amazing chat again my mind is still blown left part (laughs) will be like those are going to be my trigger words for like forever (laughs) someone's going to say left part and i'm just going to like zone out into the ether activate (laughs) (laughs) that's going to be that's my that's my iron giant my eyes light up and i just like (laughs) start moving around um if our listeners want to uh, keep up to date with you, uh, follow the stuff that you do, where can they find you? And if there's anything else you'd like to plug, please feel free to do so. Um, uh, the best place is still probably Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it now, um, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, and I'm at Doc Shaner on there. I'm also on Instagram. I, I make sure to at least cross post with twitter and and i'm on blue sky and and uh, a ton of the other ones but twitter for right now is probably the best place to find me awesome well thank you very much again for coming on the show it's been incredible uh you have an open door or i guess when we're talking about george reeves an open window to fly back in whenever you would like so but that sucker so, would just run right through a wall <laughs> and he did multiple times yeah. <laughs> It is now time for the weekly review. This is the segment of our show where I review something weekly. And right now we are reviewing episode number 10 of My Adventures with Superman. This is the season finale of the show. And I am really upset that I don't know when we're getting a season two. This feels very much like a it, it it feels very much like an invincible situation where we finish season one and there is no announcement in sight for when we're gonna get season two. Um owing to the fact that the strikes are still going on. Um it it might be a fair amount of time before we get to season two, but we do get to enjoy season one and what what a finale. What a finale for the first season of the show. Uh this is going to be right up there with some of the best Superman adaptations that I've ever seen. It's just across the 10 episodes setting up a world that you want to spend 
much more time in. And this finale is no different. You know, there's an argument to be made, I think, with Zero Day, the big two-parter that we just had, really the only two-parter in the entire season, which is crazy, with it being a a pretty good send-off for the season. There's a lot that the that this episode had to do to justify it kind of being there and it's interesting when you you look at the title of the episode hearts of the fathers and the two fathers involved are obviously Jorel father of Kal-El and I think honestly a little bit of Jonathan Kent as well for Clark Kent and then Surprise, surprise, we've been teasing it the whole time, General Sam Lane. It is finally revealed that the general we have been dealing with this whole time has been Lois's dad. Again, if you knew, then you knew. If you didn't, I hope that either A, you were able to put the puzzle pieces together across, or it was a really good reveal for you, because this was a great little culmination of everything we had been waiting on and showing a lot of growth for Sam as a character. Seeing him interact with Lois um, hit in a very specific place, which I thought was interesting. Uh, but I, I'm excited to see more of him in season two. Uh, we saw that Jimmy got to essentially sell off all of his flame bird stock he basically sold the whole thing to the Daily Planet for $5 million, which kind of begs the question, like, what's the situation with Vicky Vale? I don't remember that being resolved, but we did get to see that Clark, Lois, and Jimmy were made official reporters for the Daily Planet. So we are starting to align. We're, we're getting a lot of the, the mainstays when it comes to Superman's story locked in place which is exciting and we got to what's interesting to me is we got to attack this story at a couple different interesting angles making this a thanksgiving story which i think is interesting you don't see a lot of thanksgiving superhero you know episodes or adaptations or stories so that was really fun and then having obviously the family aspect i love that martha did not like sam i just thought it was the funniest thing and then we see that kind of all of the loose threads that we've been heading towards the general um, Clark's otherism, the orb, the sphere that uh, Lois got from the uh, league of Lois's that included a shard of kryptonite. All of it kind of came to a head task force X where the exposure to the kryptonite from Clark activates the ship and it looks like and I'm not sure I'm not positive but the ship that Clark came in looked to be some kind of you know activate some kind of gateway now there's a couple different ways that this can go it can be just one of those like you know cross uh, cross space portals where it's just like it opens up to another part of the galaxy or something that I think is a really fascinating concept. Maybe it's to the Phantom Zone. We see some stuff, and we'll get into that in a second. Um, but what if this was a Phantom Zone situation? It doesn't really, I guess, line up with it 
with that portal specifically being how Clark got to Earth. But I don't know. I think it'd be an interesting thought experiment. Uh, we saw the crystallization, uh, both literally and figuratively, of the Lois and Clark relationship. We've gotten through the I love yous. They've had their kisses. And Clark going to sacrifice himself by using the Shard of Kryptonite to blow up the ship, thereby destroying the portal and severing that large piece of the flagship, which I think is going to come back. We don't know exactly what was in that ship. So that could be an interesting plot point for season two. But again, it's just, it's Clark having that Superman moment, that superhero moment, getting to fight alongside Jor-El, which was fun. However, with the destruction of the ship, I guess that's it for Jor-El. Um, and I guess there is an argument to be made that we don't really need Jarrell in this story, though it does seem like season two is going to be diving much further into his Kryptonian heritage. So having someone like Jarrell or Jarrell's hologram or whatever to be there really seemed like it would make sense to keep around. But we did get that great moment where he essentially uh, chain of memories his son into this little pod and sends him off just like him and his wife did at the beginning of the story, I assume, we we can't assume anything at this point, uh, setting off their one and only child to land on Earth and be safe. Uh, I like the parallel in that. And then Sam choosing to leave Superman alone at the behest of Lois. Again, we don't know how that is going to affect him, what the ramifications are going to be, but I'm excited to find out. And then, after everything gets wrapped up, we get this little coda, this little end sequence, where if you noticed throughout the episode, all of the droids had the Brainiac symbol, the, the three circles attached by two lines, and we see right there, it's Brainiac. Brainiac was controlling those things, he was controlling the ships, and Brainiac was answering to someone. And it's looking like we're going to be facing off against Zod. There was a moment, right, where Brainiac, like, floats to this, like, very... My fiancé mentioned that he kind of looked like a Krogan. And he kind of does, for for you Mass Effect fans. He's shaped very Krogan-like. Um, and I, thought, I looked at the shape and I was like, oh, my God, they're doing Rogel, Rogel Czar. They're going to do Rogel Czar. Oh, no. But then he turns around and you see the Zod symbol and he says, they will kneel. We're getting Zod in season two. And I think we're going to be getting more Kryptonian stuff. Clark is going to be learning more about his alien heritage. So I'm excited to see where we go from there. And I'm excited to see where the show goes in general. There is so much that we can do from here. This was a phenomenal starting place and now we can watch as this world this universe these characters grow and change and evolve and we involve more characters we already know that there's a gotham city here so we might be getting batman characters who knows i am excited to see this universe expand and i cannot wait whenever it drops to watch season two I love this show. I think it's it's easily, easily one of the best shows when it comes to superhero adaptations that we've got in recent memory. And it just, again, it was a show that was made specifically for me, an anime about my favorite superhero. Like, 
I'm already shilling for it. I'm already going in there knowing that I'm going to love it. But I did not know how much I was going to love it. And after each episode, I just fell in love with it more and more. So I could not recommend this enough. If you have been just listening the whole time and haven't been watching it, weird approach, but okay, go watch it now. Now that it's all out, now that it's all available for you. Or if you've been watching it all along, let me know what your favorite episode was. I would, man, it's it's tough to think about. Um, I think uh, if I had to look at it, um, it is really difficult to look past Zero Day. Uh, I, I think as great as all of the episodes were, I think my favorite would have to be the Zero Day two-parter because it's just such a quintessential Superman story dealing with his burgeoning romance with Lois, his otherness, battling against you know famous Superman rogues and then having that you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us kind of moment with Metropolis. I just, I love that. But all of these episodes are amazing. I can't wait to go back and rewatch the entire series. It is such a great adaptation of Superman, and it's such a good time to be a Superman fan. If you can't tell, with this being the inaugural installment of September, I am I'm having a great time. Having a great time. But that is going to do it for the weekly review. I'm not sure what we want to do going forward. Um, if you would like to, me to review other Superman stuff. Feel free to reach out. Let me know if you want me to uh, fill this month with reviewing Superman stuff, or if you'd like me to review something else, let me know. Let me know. I want to hear from you. Uh, But that's going to do it for the weekly review this week, and we're going to roll right on into this week's Comics Countdown. Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown for the week of September 6th, 2023. This is the segment of our show where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week, whether it's at your local comic book shop or comicsology or however you get your comics. These are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we got to take a look back at last week's books with the Geek Explain Pick of the Week of last week. And I'm going to be honest, it, this was a tough one. There were some really good comics that contended for the title, but ultimately the one that I think I enjoyed the most, Miss Marvel the New Mutant number one. It was honestly kind of a toss-up between that and Marvel Age 1000. I loved everything about Marvel Age 1000. It was a tremendous book, but... I think I had a lot of expectation and pressure on Miss Marvel the New Mutant because I I needed it to be good. And boy, howdy, was it good. Uh, bringing this character written by the Miss Marvel herself, Iman Vellani, as well as uh, Sabir Prasada, it's just a great reintroduction to the character. She's in college now. Uh, now... It, part of the mutants and the X-Men in a world that now hates and fears the X-Men once again. Uh, It's just a great book. Absolutely knocked this first issue out of the park, and I can't wait to read more. But that's last week's. This week, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight books. This is the most books we've had in a little while now, so I'm really excited to get into these. First things first, Immortal X-Men number 15. This is written by Kieran Gillen with art by Paco Medina, and I am... 
very curious about what this book is going to be going forward. <laughs> I'm just, I am incredibly curious considering everything that's happened. And I don't know how we are going to square the circle of there being no more Quiet Council in the Quiet Council book. So let's find out. Let's dig into the synopsis. After the gala, we wondered, did anyone survive the experience? Now we discover the real question. How long can anyone survive this? I want to know what this is. Uh, the cover is very interesting. Um, we'll just have to see, I guess. Next up, we have Batman number 137. This is written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Jorge Jimenez. And this is officially kicking off the Gotham War. Uh, I'll let you know. Again, I am just at about war saturation when it comes to comic books. But last week's issue, it got me intrigued. I am cautiously optimistic about this now, so I am very interested to see where we go from here. Let's dig into the synopsis. Batman Catwoman, The Gotham War. Batman descends on Gotham City, full of rage and force, more driven than ever to save his home. But the new landscape has turned friends into foes. Can anyone stop his reign of terror? Should they? The Gotham War continues. Yeah, I'm very interested to see where this goes, considering how they've... Yeah, they've almost put Batman in an antagonistic position in the story it's going to be very interesting to see how this shakes out next up we have scarlet witch number eight this is written by steve orlando with art by sarah pacelli pacelli cinderelli as well as lorenzo tameta and it looks like uh we're going to be adding a little bit of chaos into this uh we uh, this cover is gorgeous i mean russell dodderman has been doing the most with all of these <laughs> covers but bringing in loki is going to be very interesting Synopsis goes, God versus Witch. When Loki's mountain giant cousin comes through the last door desperate to secure the right to rule his people, the Scarlet Witch agrees to confront the King of Jotunheim. But things are never what they seem with Loki, God of Stories, and when the truth comes out, sparks just might fly. Meanwhile, Hexfinder's plan is revealed, and those closest to Wanda can no longer be trusted. Ooh, interesting. Next up, we have a brand new number one, uh, and we're going to have a big one later as well, but we have Fire and Ice Welcome to Smallville number one. This is written by Joanne Starer with art by Natasha Bustos, and I am very interested in this. Um, Fire and Ice are a duo that I have been waiting for to get more play in recent years, especially after the success of them being reintegrated into uh, the Human Target series, which was critically acclaimed. So I'm excited to see them pop up and do some stuff. Let's dig into the synopsis and figure out wh just what they're getting up to. Things could not possibly be worse for Fire and Ice, in Beatriz de Costa's professional opinion. Superman sent the former Justice Leaguers packing for Smallville following an extremely public and utterly disastrous mission. That was all Guy Gardner's fault, thank you very much. And in doing so, doomed them to a fate worse than death. Irrelevance. Ice finds herself drawn to the quiet life and dreams of planting roots, but fire, well, 
Fire will do just about anything to get the heck out of Dodge and back on the hero circuit, including challenging the DCU's biggest villains to a knockdown, drag out, live streamed brawl in the streets of Smallville. A raucous, timely, unflinching comedy about a decades long friendship on the brink of disaster and what it means to be a superhero at a crossroads in your life. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. This sounds like. It sounds like kind of a mixture of Slice of Life and, I mean, what we've been getting in the She-Hulk book. This sounds like it could be the answer to the Rainbow Roll She-Hulk book, and I'm really excited at the prospect of that. Next up, we have X-Men number 26. This is, of course, written by Jerry Duggan with art by Javier Pina and Jim Toe. And uh, if this covers anything to go by, we are heading straight for the chapel. Uh, I am very curious to see how this rolls. Um, Let's dig into the synopsis. We're not losing an X-Man. We're gaining an Avenger. The moment we swore would never happen, heck, the moment Emma Frost swore would never happen, is here at last. As the Frost-Stark knot is tied in Invincible Iron Man number 10, Emma's mutant family reacts to this surprising news. Yeah, it's interesting because it's not really what you think it is. And I'm just going to leave it at that if you haven't, uh, if you're not caught up yet. But I'm, I'm curious to see how this goes. Next up, we have, I think appropriately for the, uh, for the Shader conversation we just had, Shazam! Number three. This is written by Mark Wade with art by Dan Mora. And I mean, this book rules. I will still stand by what I've been saying before in that, we shouldn't have this book at the cost of Mary's book, but I have been enjoying the first two issues and I'm excited to pick up issue number three. Let's dig into the synopsis. To Africa and beyond! The gullible spirit of Atlas is guiding the captain into a battle between Garguax, the Emperor of the Moon, and a band of superintelligent apes who have separated from Gorilla City and amass Grexit. Hilarious. Uh, With the Earth at stake, will Billy Batson find some way to end a war that he himself started? I love this. I mean, this is ridiculous Silver Age, Big Red Cheese style storytelling, and I'm excited to see what happens. Next up, we have Doctor Strange number seven. This is written by Jed McKay with art by Pascal Ferry. And I just, I can't gush enough about how good this book is. It is tremendous. I absolutely love this thing. And I've been loving it ever since it began. So let's dig into the synopsis. Meet General Strange. Stephen Strange is a doctor who has sworn to do no harm, but there's another, darker side to him, and it's his duty to win at any cost. Can Stephen best his mirror image trained through thousands of years of mystic war? Yeah, I love this idea. It's the doctor versus the war doctor, and ah, I just love that concept. It's going to be great. But the big book of the week, the book I think you should absolutely be picking up, is Birds of Prey number one. This is written by Kelly Thompson with art by Leonardo Romero. We have been hotly anticipating this book ever since it was announced, and we've been getting the slow trickle of roster lineup. I am very excited about this. We do know that a rotating cast is a possibility as long as this book does well. So let's make sure this book does well shall we let's all buy this book kelly thompson's incredible writer you know how much i love leo romero's art i am so excited to read this let's dig into the synopsis 
Breaking hearts and faces, the birds of prey are back. Every mission matters. Every life saved is a miracle. But this time, it's personal. Dinah Lance is one of the DCU's most elite fighters, and combined with her sonic scream, she's a fearsome foe in any scenario. But sometimes, even the Black Canary needs help. Faced with a personal mission brought to her by a mysterious new ally, and up against near-impossible odds, she reforms the Birds of Prey with an unrivaled group of badasses. Cassandra Kane, Big Barda, Zealot, and Harley Quinn. And only one goal, extraction without bloodshed. What could possibly go wrong? I am really, really excited about this. The lineup sounds sick. Um... There has been some blowback for the lineup, but again, a rotating lineup sounds amazing, and I'm excited to see what Thompson and Romero have in store. This is going to be one to pick up and one to keep an eye on for sure. But that does it for this week's Comics Countdown. To recap, we've got Immortal X-Men number 15, Batman number 137, Scarlet Witch number 8, Fire and Ice, Welcome to Smallville number 1, X-Men number 26, Shazam number 3, Doctor Strange number 7, and Birds of Prey number 1. Lots of status quo shakeups. The world seems to be changing and getting stranger in the worlds of DC, Marvel, and the associated uh, indie comics. But one thing that hasn't changed is that you can head to your LCS right now and pick up some amazing comics. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Geeksplain podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe to us on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings, reviews, and subscriptions really do help me and the podcast out in this weird podcasting algorithm space, raises up our stock, and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here on the podcast. You can write literally anything you want, and I will be forced to read every word, but as long as you gave me those five stars, the sky's the limit on what you can write. And you'll be able to join the likes of our terrific 21, including Seafire ND, Joshua Panels to Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88, Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, That Guy Brian, Mouth Dork, Dallas Meeks, Amazing Spider Fan, Alok and AZ, Sass, Jedi Jesse 20, Ken 4656, Director Hall, Mullet Overlord, Invisible Man 11, Ed Likes Things, Clip 326, That Logan, and Ken from Norway. I want to say a huge thank you to these fine folks for their reviews, and I cannot wait to hear yours. Would love to get up 25 before the end of the year. That would be pretty amazing. If you want to be part of our Geeksplained mailbag, send your emails to geeksplained at gmail.com. Put mailbag in the subject header, and I will read it here on the Wednesday show. If you'd like to participate in polls that decide future episodes, if you want to just keep up to date with the podcast, get first notification when I make announcements like the announcement for September, or maybe you just want to shoot the shit with me on the latest geeky news, feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, not calling it X, at GeeksplainedPod. That's at GeeksplainedPod for as I continue to try to get better at Instagram and for as long as Twitter is around for before it inevitably crashes. Uh, we're figuring things out, but 
that would be the place to do it. And finally, this Friday, as well as every Friday, I, alongside my fellow Flash family, Malcolm Russell Nelson and Jacob Brown, put on the Geek Explained Book Club, where currently we are going through every single issue of every single volume of The Flash Rebirth. This week, we are tackling the very next volume after Flash Year One last last week. We got to tackle the six-part new I guess ish uh, retelling of Barry Allen's origin story in his first year as the Flash and this week it might all come crumbling down when it comes to the Scarlet Speedster. So join us, won't you, this Friday and every Friday. Flash Fridays are a real thing so be there or be square, not a circle. But that is going to do it for this week's episode. I want to say a huge thank you once again to Doc Shaner for coming on the podcast. This was truly a dream come true for me, a bucket list if ever there was one. I am so excited to have had him on here, and I hope you enjoyed the conversation we had. Next week, I will be joined by Zach of the Comics That We Love podcast, who, if you didn't know, is my partner in crime for September. He's got a whole schedule of Superman and super family adjacent episodes going on this month as well and we are going to be tackling a very particular subject that being evil superman and why it doesn't work so join us won't you next week as we tackle this and make sure you tune into all of the September festivities that Zach has in store over on the Comics That We Love podcast. Check back here for that episode next week. Same geek time, same geek channel, but for now for the Geek Explain podcast and for September, I've been Eric Azana. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe and we will see you next time.